I, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to take this privilege uh, this morning at this, uh, at this time because I have some things I still have to, to set up. Uh, you know, today is Father's Day, and yes, we celebrate our fathers, but, uh, you know, we celebrate our Father in heaven, uh, and we worship Him, uh, you know, this morning, and, and we thank Him for the blessings and for the gifts that He has bestowed upon His children, uh, you know, so freely. And with that, uh, you know, as I, as I finish getting things ready, if I can have my wife to bring a precious gift that God has provided to our family up and let everyone see, uh, you know, our wonderful Talmadge that, uh, you know, is here. Um, he's most probably sleeping, taking a nap, but, uh, you know, that's okay. We have the privilege of this, but... Uh, He is, uh, he is precious. He is 11 weeks. He's 11 weeks. Talmadge, and I, you know, I want y'all to know that I do have, uh, I have issues, uh, you know, because whenever he's around, I, I, you know, for some reason, I just feel like I need to hold him. <laughs> I, you know, I just, I, you know, he, he sleeps much better in my arms than he does in the stroller or in the car seat. I, you know, I just don't know, I, you know, but, uh. We uh, we do uh, you know we uh, you know I am thankful uh, you know for uh, you know for him and I'm glad that Sarah uh, you know was able to make it. Uh, my son started a new job today, and uh, you know so that's why he's not able to be here. Andrew is now a sound tech at one of the large churches uh, in Charlotte. Uh, you know so he is getting into uh, you know the ministry that God has truly called him uh, you know to be, and he is working at one of, at a at a church there. So. Uh, you know, I thank God for, uh, you know, for that. Uh, you know, today uh, we are, we're talking about, um, uh, you know, the unshakable hope that we have in the promises of God. And, uh, you know, the last three weeks, these messages have truly been building upon themselves and bringing us to moments in our lives that, if we truly realize what Jesus Christ did on the cross and we allowed that to take part and to take hold of our lives, we then find that we have security in our relationship and in our walk with Christ. Uh, you know, so how many of you, whenever you were growing up, had to read The Pilgrim's Progress? How many of y'all had to read that book? So this illustration isn't going to mean a thing to you then, is it? Wow, okay, Hannah's reading it. You know, that, 
I am shocked. I, you know, from you know, from the back roads, uh, you know, in the swamps of Louisiana. I had to read that book. Uh, you know, the, you know, wow, the pig. Y'all really need to get it uh, and read it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to help you through this. Uh, you know, but Max Licato in his lessons and stuff this week, um, he mentioned a book that he had started writing, but he never finished it. He hadn't put a close to it. So he has all of the, most of the book except for the end of it written. So, uh, you know, I'm going to try to combine these two. You know, so as we are pilgrims and we're on this journey that we have, uh, you know, in our life, we are just, you know, we just simply walk about it freely, right? Uh, you know, we do what we want to do. We go where we want to go. There's a path that we see, and, and we just simply walk along the path. Paul tells us in the beginning of chapter 7 that what he is writing from this moment on has to do with the people that know the law. Okay, but before we knew the law... There was no sin and no transgressions in our lives. We just walked freely. We're on this journey. We're born. We're walking this life. We do what we want to do. We have this lackadaisical attitude. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know um, uh, Simba, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the circle of life, uh, you know, Akumata. Uh, you know, I didn't, I missed that one there, up. But y'all have all seen that. I can't believe it. Y'all know that movie, but you don't know Pilgrim's Progress. Wow. I'm still astonished. Uh, you know, so, you know, we have this. So we're walking this life, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, we have no care in the world. And then we come to the age or we come to this point, uh, you know, that we know the law. We have this moral compass that is within us. That begins to show up and begins to tell us whenever we do things right and whenever we do things that are wrong. Paul tells us that I didn't know that I was a sinner until I read the law. And then the law brought to me what was sin. He said, and he gives us the example as far as the, uh, you know, the woman uh, you know, and what the law says about a woman and if she divorces her husband or her husband divorces her and she goes and she marries another while her husband is still alive, she is committing adulteress. She is an adulteress. But if the husband dies, therefore, she can go and she can marry whomever she wants to and she is not considered to be an adulteress. So let's bring that into our lives and when us walking with this, Paul continues to go down through that in chapter 7 and he begins to talk and show us that if we die to the law, then we are no longer bound by the law. So whenever we die to the law, whenever we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are dead to our transgressions because Jesus Christ is alive within us. In Galatians, Paul says, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives within me. I have died out to myself, and whenever we die out to ourself, then the law doesn't have... Uh, you know, now, 
I say it doesn't have any hold on us. We still hold firm to what the law shows us and what the law tells us, but we are not bound by the law because we are bound by the love and by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. So you see where the death comes in. The death comes in whenever we realize that we're a sinner and the only way that we can be forgiven of that sin is by believing in Jesus Christ and asking for forgiveness of that sin. Uh, Therefore, dying out to ourselves, we are now alive in Jesus Christ. And Paul brings us that through chapter 7. But then in chapter 7, in verse 21, he says this. He says, I find this law at work. Although I, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Evil is right there. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. So in the law, I delight in God's law. In delighting in God's law, it says, But then I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. What a wretched man. I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who will rescue me to this body that is subject to death? Uh, You know, once we die out to ourselves and we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, uh, you know, we are free from the bondage of our sins. In Romans chapter chapter 8, verse 1, that's our key passage of Scripture today, it says, There is no condemnation in those who believe in Jesus Christ as long as we walk with Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation. So in other words, the sin that's in our lives, it's no longer held accountable to us because of, what the, work, because of the work that Jesus Christ has done within us. But see, Paul, a Pharisee above all Pharisees, he struggled. As righteous as Paul thought he was and as much as Paul studied the scripture, Paul knew or Paul discovers that he was still bound by sin, by the old law, and there was absolutely nothing that he could do about it. So we walk this life in the pilgrim's progress the guy has this backpack as you look at the illustrations in the book I know the illustrations because that's mainly what I studied no I'm kidding (laughs) along the way we make choices that are not right 
we choose to do things the way that we want to do them. Even though we have the law and we see the law, uh, you know, in, in chapter 7 he says, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about coveting until I read the law. And once I read the law, I coveted everything. So it brings about it. So we live in this life. We have this battle, this war that is raging within us of the world and of God's world. Last week we talked about the fact that we live in the, uh, the time of already but not yet. We are already in eternity but we're not yet in eternity because we live in a corrupt world. We are still alive and we're still in this corrupt world. So as we're in this corrupt world, we choose to do things that God doesn't want us to do. So we sin. So we have these things that weigh us down. Uh, You know, in the Pilgrim's Progress, uh, you know, the sins are rocks. And as in, uh, you know, Max Lucado's story that he hasn't finished, they're rocks. uh, You know, and we have these rocks, uh, you know, that constantly are put into our lives. Scripture tells us, uh, you know, that Jesus never deviated from the direction that God had for him. So whenever we look at this and we see in our lives that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but through through this path and through this journey that we have, we choose sometimes to go left whenever he says go right. So we sin. Because we're doing something that God hasn't asked us to do. Or we're going in a direction that God doesn't want us to go in. There's times that we choose not to trust God. There's a stressful situation in our lives and we say, I, God, I got this one. You don't need to handle it. Therefore, we sin because we at that point in time have said, God, I know more than what you know so I can handle this. We also put God into a place, whenever we do that, of inferiority. Saying, God, you're not strong enough to handle this one. I got to do it. Right? Uh, You know, there's also sometimes, and it's Father's Day, I know that, whenever we discipline our children in anger. Have you ever done that? Okay, well, then we have to put another rock in the bag, uh, you know, because we've done that. Have you ever said anything to somebody that... After you said it, you're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. Well, we have to throw something else into that bag because there's another one. God doesn't want us to do that. Uh, you know, Jesus Christ gave us uh, you know, the path and gave us the illustration as far as how we are supposed to live this life. Uh, you remember in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Jesus tells us how we are supposed to live as Christians. And then he comes off of the mountain and he begins to live exactly what he preached to us in chapters 5, 6, and most of 7. He lives it out before us. So if we're not living in the way that Jesus Christ has shown us to live, then we're sinning because we're not living and not doing what he's asked us to do. Uh, you know, so we're there. So we get this and we understand that Paul also tells us that there's not one of us, not one person has ever lived on this earth except for Jesus Christ that didn't sin. So we already know that we have those, so we put those in the box. In the, in the bag. 
uh, you know, so this bag is getting pretty heavy, right? Uh, you know, in the Pilgrim's Progress, the more it gets, the heavier it gets. The picture illustrations show that his back is bending over, and he begins to walk like this. At one point in time, he gets him a cane so that he can walk with that cane to help him to stay upright in his life. But yet, there is absolutely nothing that we can do so that we can stay upright in our lives. So you understand where we are. We are condemned to death in our sin, but there is no condemnation for those who live in Jesus Christ. So the sins and the struggles that we've been putting in here, I'm not going to go through all these rocks, so I'm just going to dump them all in there, because we all have them. Regardless of what they are, we carry them around. We're not smart enough to get rid of the backpack. He got him a crutch. Right? He got him a staff to help him to walk. What is the staff that's helping him walk? Legalism. We can legalism, we can work through this and we can pull passages of Scripture out to make anything that we want to sound good. I did it all for the glory of God. No, you didn't. You did it for your own self. I did it so the church would grow. No, you didn't. You did it so you could get a pat on the back. Oh, you know, we've got these things, and these are the things that we put into the bag. But we try to work through them. Uh, you know, we even think that the more the Scripture I read, then the better I am. The longer I kneel in prayer, the better I am. Paul, Pharisee above all Pharisees. How many of you can quote the Pentateuch? Paul could. Paul tells us in the scripture, uh, you know, he tells us that all of these things, they're not worthy of it. Because Paul found grace. Paul found grace on the road to Damascus. Or could we say or should we say that grace found Paul? Uh, you know, whenever we look into this scripture, Paul begins, and he's the first that we see Paul, he is actually Saul, and he is full of himself. He is a man-made righteous person. And how many times do we go there? We sit in the church pews Sunday after Sunday with our righteousness on. And whenever we leave, we take our righteousness off and we're just simply part of the world. Last week we talked about it and we said that's kind of like, uh, you know, we're world heavy. Our foot is too heavy into the world and we don't want to alienate ourselves from the world. But he says that we are supposed to be of the world but not in the world. We are supposed to live in this world but we're not supposed to do what the world does. We're still supposed to be separate. But there's a war that's raging within me, right? Paul says, I want to do what's right, but I can't. Every time that I think and I, I, I know what's right, but I always do what's wrong. There's a war that's raging. Who is going to be able to rescue me 
from this body? Who can rescue me? Thanks be to God who delivered me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's through Him. So, we think about this. Jesus is on the cross and he has walked this life and he's been on this earth for 33 years. He's been showing us how we are supposed to live. He has been preaching and teaching about the kingdom of heaven that's at hand. The already the kingdom of God is here, the not yet, because this world is still corrupt. Because the law of this world is still here. We see Jesus Christ is on the cross. And we don't understand all of this fact. We don't, I don't think that we can truly comprehend what actually happened but with Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, through His death, our sin was defeated. Jesus Christ, the one without sin, the one that lived on this earth and never sinned. Whenever God said, go to the right, He went to the right. Whenever God said, speak, He spoke. Whenever God said, be silent, He was silent. Whenever God told him to heal this person, he healed that person. Whatever God told him to say, he said it. He did absolutely everything that he was supposed to do. He never sinned, never fell into Satan's temptation. Him, he is seating or he is on the cross. And we hear these words from Jesus, forgive them. For they know not what they do. We also hear these words on the cross from Jesus. That says, my Lord, my Lord, or my Father, why have you forsaken me? So let's kind of understand this for a little bit. Because as Jesus Christ was hanging on that cross, every sin that was ever committed, that ever will be committed by every person that will ever be and has ever been born on this earth was placed in Jesus Christ. Whenever we sin, we hurt. Whenever we sin, we feel alienated from God. Whenever we sin, we feel that God moves further and further away from us. Jesus Christ had every sin, every hurt, every pain, every regret, and every ounce of our sorrowfulness because of those sins in His life. So whenever he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? It's because every one of our sins was separating him from his Father. It's not that God turned his back on him. God never leaves us nor forsakes us. 
It is the constant fact that sin, that our sin through Jesus or in Jesus Christ separated him from his father. Then I want you to grab a hold of this. Because the last words that Jesus said was, it is finished. What was finished? The victory of sin and death over the world. See, he died for everybody. He said, it's finished. I have accomplished everything that my Father has sent me here to do. Every sin of every person that has been born or ever will be born has been taken care of right here and right now. It's finished. All these rocks that's in this sack that makes it so heavy to where we don't feel like we can live or we can survive on this earth. He said, it's all gone. He said, put it on. He said, stand up straight and tall because of what I have done for you. I have freed you from sin. I have freed you from the bondage. Because of that, we see in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 that says there's no condemnation. There's none because he's already taken care of it. We're forgiven from it. But then see from there he goes on. Man. I got to find this here. Maybe as you can tell, I haven't. Let's go here. Verse 5. It says, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, things of the Spirit. For the mind, for the mind set on flesh is death. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. If it does not... if it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If we do not live in the Spirit, we cannot please God. If we do not live in the Spirit, we cannot relinquish the weight of this world. Paul tells us that there's two things at war. The law of this world, the law, sin, and it cannot do anything to please God. But if we live by the flesh, then we please God. 
Paul tells us, uh, you know, and the scripture tells us that we love not because of what God has done for us or because of the love that God has given to us, but we love, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't love for that, but we love because of that. We don't read scripture so that we can get more of God. We read scripture because we already have all of God and we want to do what he is asking us to do. Whenever we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we get every single ounce of God. We don't get more as we grow. We learn more, therefore we become stronger as we grow. We don't come to church so that we can mark off a list and say, look, God, I was in your house today. We do it because we want to visit our Father's house. You know, as we, as we think about this, and as I even come to this point, See, May the 1st, my earthly father, passed away. Peg and I traveled 15 hours straight. Made it to the hospital at 1.45 a.m. So that I could see him for one last time. Our Heavenly Father, that gives us a whole lot more than our earthly Father. We won't even drive 15 minutes down the road on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night to be in His house and to worship and to praise Him. Yes, I know that we can do that at home, but there's just something about being in His house. There's a lot of things that I do in my life because of what my father has taught me. And I want to pass that on to my kids more than I want my kids to understand about me. I want them to understand about their heavenly father. I want them to know their heavenly father. So whenever I go on vacation, whenever Peggy and I go on vacation, we find a church to go to. We're at the church on Sunday morning. We're at the church on Sunday nights. If we're on vacation on a Wednesday night, we go to church on Wednesday night. Why? Because I want my kids to understand and to know the importance of being in God's house. And it's not the people. The people that's in this congregation, they'll let you down. It's a given. They're going to hurt you. They're going to say something about you or they're going to say something to you, uh, you know, that you don't like. But we come because of God, our Father, our Heavenly Father. What better place for your children to grow up in than in the Heavenly Father's house?
all of y'all know that I, I like sports. I played sports all the way through high school, even before high school, elementary, middle school. But you know what? Sports didn't come before being in God's house. You're like, Pastor, this in this, that's in another day. Uh, you know, that's long gone, uh, you know. God is still as important today as he was way back then. God is still alive today as he was back then. I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss the fact that Jesus Christ paid it all on the cross. The only way that we can receive that is if we live in him or he lives in us. We have to ask for forgiveness. We have to receive Him as our Lord and Savior. And that part of receiving Him as our Lord and Savior is the fact that we tell Him to come on in. Live into my life. Begin to direct my life. Tell me where I need to go. If I need to go to the left, tell me to let me go. You know, tell me to go to the left. I'll go to the left. If you want me to go to the right, tell me to go to the right. We have to relinquish control. Trust that he is who he says he is. This morning as Robbie and uh, whoever is on the praise team that's coming up. This morning, we all know the law. Every one of us is here and here. We all know the law. Have you asked for forgiveness for the sins that's been piled upon us from this worldly life? This morning, you can bring them to him. Lay him right down here at the altar. Allow him to remove all the guilt and all the shame. He was on the cross with his arms spread wide. Received every sin upon him. Although he knew no sin. And he said it's finished. The payment for sin is death. I've paid it. Come to me. Scripture says, come to me, all who are heavy laden and burdened, and I'll give you rest. This morning, there's rest. This morning, there's security in knowing that Jesus Christ paid it all. Paid it all for us. So that we could live in eternity, now and to come.
if there's anyone that's here if you're if you need prayer oh, you know, the God's word and his message has spoke to you but you're not ready to come down to the altar and you ask for prayer if that's you if you would raise your hand Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today and for being here with us. Uh, you know, God, I thank you for your word, dear Lord, that you have spoken to us this morning. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would help us. And God, that you would, God, that you would minister to our souls as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. like to do this, if everyone can be seated for just a moment.